believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4, 6, that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters, not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for 
during the course of this teaching are that, 1. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. 2. Regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by, or immersed in, the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. The Gentile Example In this chapter, we continue our examination of biblical examples that demonstrate that the initial evidence someone has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit is endowment with the gift of tongues, which is a supernatural enablement to speak in languages that the speaker has never learned and is therefore often referred to in the Bible as unknown tongues. It is called unknown tongues, again, because the language is unknown to the speaker. In every case in the Bible in which believers were reported to have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence or indicator or sign of their having received it was that they spoke in tongues. Moreover, there is no instance recorded in the Bible in which believers received the baptism in the Holy Spirit without receiving and manifesting the gift of tongues as the initial evidence of having received it. By no means are tongues the only sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but they are the initial sign. Indeed, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14.22 that, quote, tongues are for a sign to unbelievers, end quote, meaning an indicator testifying of the supernatural power of God being manifest in and through a spirit-baptized believer. For additional proof of this incontrovertible fact, 
In this segment, the example we examine is that of Cornelius's house, who were Gentiles, receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Our text for this example is found in Acts 10. And we read in verses 1 and 2, Now there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So we see that this man named Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing man who had taught his whole family to fear God and that he was continuously giving alms to the Jewish people, that he was actually giving to God, and that he prayed continually to God. And we are going to see how these acts of faithfulness toward God resulted in him receiving the favor of God. But really, to understand this scenario, we must understand that it actually began with Jesus' command to the early church, especially to the apostles, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, as we see in Mark 16.15, and the verses following, he who has believed, he is saying everyone who believes, anyone who believes, and has been baptized shall be saved but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. In other words, Jesus is telling the apostles that this is a whosoever gospel, a gospel of good news, that whosoever believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved, and this is without regard to ethnicity or nationality. In Matthew 28:19, we see Jesus' final charge to the original apostles in which he says, Make disciples of all of the nations. And that Greek word there for nations is the word ethnos, which means all ethnicities or all peoples of all nations. In Luke 24:47, we see that Jesus again gave the charge to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins and that it should be proclaimed in Christ's name to all nations, to all ethnicities, to all ethnos, to all peoples. And then in Acts 1, 4 and verses following, we see that Jesus gathered together the apostles and he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And as I pointed out previously, this was after what occurred on the evening of Resurrection Sunday in the upper room, when these apostles and all of the brethren assembled together there, received for the first time the infusion of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. And they were born again at that time on Resurrection Evening. And so, Jesus is not speaking here about the Holy Spirit coming in regeneration, but rather, he is talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And so again, 
Jesus' charge to the early church was to preach the gospel to all peoples, not just to the Jewish people, and not just within the nation of Israel, but to the remotest parts of the earth. And the gospel that he told them to preach was a gospel that included the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this baptism was for all peoples, for all nations, throughout the world. Indeed, we see in Acts 2 that when the Spirit was indeed finally poured out upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost, they all began to speak with unknown tongues, and the other people living in the area heard them praising God in every language spoken by every people group or ethnicity known to the world at that time. It says in the account, beginning in verse 5, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, and the crowd came together, they were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles, original language, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? And of course, as we know, the Apostle Peter stood up later and began answering their questions, saying, This is that of which the prophet Joel spoke. And he goes on to say, I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And so that means all peoples of all nations, all ethnicities who receive the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, receive the gospel of repentance for sins and the gospel that includes the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Despite this charge which Jesus gave to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and in every nation, the early church was reticent or slow to obey Jesus' command to go into all the world and to preach the gospel of good news. Rather, they continued to stay in Jerusalem and direct the majority of their evangelizing to the Jewish people in and around that region. It was because of this that the great persecution, which we saw in Acts 8, arose against the church in Jerusalem, which, according to verse 1, caused the early disciples to be scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, all of them, except the apostles, that is. The apostles apparently remained in Jerusalem, but many of the disciples were scattered out and forced out of Jerusalem due to this great persecution that arose. And as I have pointed out in previous portions, one of the main personalities in that persecution was a man named Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul.
enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you to help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. Again, this great persecution was really all about our primary topic, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we are told it was due to this great persecution that Philip, who is called Philip the Evangelist, Acts 21.8, actually went down to the city of Samaria and began to proclaim Christ to them. With that as our background, we go then to chapter 10 of Acts, which historians tell us probably occurred somewhere around the ninth or 10th year after the day of Pentecost. And we see in the account in verse 3 that on one day, about the ninth hour of the day, it says, and I believe that is significant because the number nine represents the Holy Spirit in the Bible. About the ninth hour of the day, he, Cornelius, clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come to him and said to him, Cornelius. And so the angel calls out his name. Cornelius responds and says, What is it, Lord? He knows the angel is sent of God, and he begins to speak to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he asks him, What is it, Lord? The angel said, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So we see in this story the divine response to Cornelius's continuous prayers and almsgiving, which is that he and his whole household are saved. And they received this tremendous promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, though they are Gentiles. But again, this is according to what Jesus had said in the first place. Then the angel tells Cornelius to dispatch some men to Joppa to summon a man named Simon Peter, who is staying there in Joppa with another man also named Simon, Simon the Tanner. Cornelius obeys the angel and sends the men. The next day, while the men were on their way to Joppa, at around noon, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. At that time, we are told in verse 10, and he became hungry and was desiring to eat. This no doubt prepared him for what was about to occur. Then the Bible says he fell into a trance, and while he was in that trance, he had a vision that repeated itself three times, indicating that this was certainly something that was from God. And while he was under this trance, he beheld the sky opened up, and a certain object, like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground, and there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures of the earth, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, saying, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, 
for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. For these were all the things that were banned under the Old Testament laws to the Jews. And again a voice came to him a second time, saying, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. And verses 17 and following say, Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate, and calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But arise, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter goes down. He talks to the men, telling them he is the one they are looking for, and asking the reason they have come to summon him, which they explained to him. And Peter invited them in to stay for the night. And then on the next day they departed to go to Cornelius's house. When they arrive at Cornelius's house, and Cornelius meets Peter, he falls on his face to worship him. But Peter raises him up, telling him to stand up, that he is merely a man like him also. They go inside, where there is a crowd of many people assembled. And Peter says to the crowd assembled, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. And so I ask for what reason you have sent for me, Acts ten twenty-eight through 29 and then Cornelius tells Peter the story of how the angel appeared to him and what he told him, and that he told him to send for this man called Peter. And then he says to Peter, Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Beginning in verse 34, Peter begins to speak to them and says, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross." God raised him up on the third day, and granted that he should become visible, not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people 
and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as a judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. And what was this gift? This was that gift, that promise which Jesus talked about. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. For it says in verse 46, For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And so we see that the Holy Spirit fell upon these individuals, and the way that those who had been baptized also in the Holy Spirit, who accompanied Peter, knew that these Gentile believers had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit as well, was because they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Once again, demonstrating conclusively that the initial evidence that someone has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the endowment of the gift of tongues, which is a supernatural enablement to speak in languages that the speaker has never learned. Multitudes of sincere and trusting believers are caught in the virtually invisible web of religious captivation in the churches they attend, the ministries they are under, and the networks they are aligned with, and don't know it. I'm Stephen Lambert, and I'm the author of the now classic book on the topic of authoritarian abuse in neo-Pentecostal churches. Learn more at charismatic hyphen captivation.com charismatic hyphen captivation.com friends i hope you understand how vital this teaching is you are hearing the real truth regarding the baptism in the holy spirit this issue is the most critical issue to the Christian life after salvation itself. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it, based on scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving 
the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to have this special book and or audio book I've prepared for you to help you understand it and to receive this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can order the book and audio book online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com to place your order and where you can also listen to the recordings of all our podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.